Patrick here with some exciting news. We now have 10 local communities of engineering leaders hosting in-person meetups all over the world. Yes, you heard that right. There are 10 local communities in cities all over the world. These groups are led by engineering leaders just like you who wanted to create a place to connect, to share insights, and tackle critical challenges in the job. To get involved, go to elc.community. Sign up if you haven't already. If you have signed up, make sure you update your location and we'll get you plugged in. We're launching local events all the time. You can find them and get involved again at elc.community. Don't tell people I like to run. Tell them I'm a runner. So it makes a world of difference. So you are embodying that person or those attributes that you want to have. And then from there, you move forward. Because if you say I'm moving towards my goal, then you're also saying I'm not there yet. But if you embody the end, I'm already there, right? We know you're not wholly already there, but you embody the end and then huh, act as if, and it makes a world of difference. You make so much more progress. Hello and welcome to the Engineering Leadership Podcast brought to you by ELC, the engineering leadership community. I'm Jerry Lee, founder of ELC. And I'm Patrick Gallagher, and we're your hosts. Our show shares the most critical perspectives, habits, and examples of great software engineering leaders to help evolve leadership in the tech industry. In this episode, Joy Dixon, Senior Engineering Manager at Salesforce, deconstructs her leadership practice to facilitate team goal discussions. We cover how to create a group accountability structure to empower your team's growth and build deeper connections within your team how to set and leverage next level or identity-based goals, and how to introduce this practice to your team and overcome the initial skeptics. Let me introduce you to Joy. Joy's worked in the tech industry for 20 plus years as a people leader, software engineer, technical trainer, and network administrator, building apps across multiple languages. She's designed and delivered online and in-person web animation and game development courses. She also started a software development training company, Mosaic Presence, to expand opportunities, cultivate community, and promote the mosaic. Enjoy our conversation with Joy Dixon. Well, to formally kick off the conversation, Joy, I think first off, we just wanted to say thanks so much for being here and welcome to the podcast. Yeah, and thank you both. I am excited to be here with both of you. This is really awesome. So I really appreciate the invitation. Thank you. Absolutely. So in in thinking about some of the things that we wanted to cover today in our conversation, I was sort of thinking that there's this narrative I couldn't get out of my head. And it's oftentimes I'm thinking about a manager or a person saying, man, I just wish the people I worked with had more self-awareness and sort of this like tropey cliche. And, you know, everybody talks about how this is the key, but oftentimes I think the part where I run into a challenge or where I think the big challenge becomes is, well, how do you actually help somebody cultivate self-awareness? Like to me, what does that actually look like? I know that you and Jerry connected in a one-on-one match in our digital community space the other week and started to talk about some of the things that you do within your team to both cultivate awareness, but also to create connection and accountability. And so I'd love to kind of go back first to that conversation. How did that come up when you two were connecting when you're talking about this practice? Do you remember, Jerry? (laughs) Yeah, um, that was my first curated introduction within the uh, new home of the ELC. I remember we talked about different things that resonated really strongly over the course of being a member of ELC. And I think the topic came up that Good practices that you've seen that work really well, especially in this remote world. And you are a pioneer in terms of remote working. You have been working entirely remotely 
a few years before the pandemic. And now you are sort of inventing new ways to create a sense of team and also togetherness by encouraging people to share their not just the project goals or business goals, but this is personal goals as a group. That's something to me almost unheard of, the vulnerability and the willingness to share across a, a team. And at Holy Center Accountable, I think that's really important for in terms of cultivating a sense of belonging in this new remote working environment. Everything feels like more transactional now. Like even piece um, I'm on, on the Slack, hey, can we have a conversation? I feel transactional, right? That's a very intentional, it's good, but also don't have the serendipitous encountering that help to build trust. So I think that that approach immediately originated and I'm just really curious to, to learn more. So that's how I remember yeah. we carried out that conversation. Yes, thank you so much for that. I will say that definitely I started in 2017, teams in fully remote were across the U.S. and Canada. And it is one of my things is you have to be intentional around like truly connecting with one another. So whereas like your standouts might be like these little short 15 minutes is kind of the guidelines, but no, you need that extra five to seven minutes for just banter and human connection. That's really important, as well as just creating those spaces for that throughout the entire work. Make it part of the work day. A lot of teams and a lot of companies have definitely benefited in a sense from the pandemic. And as far as, oh, we're going to do this team building activity and this team building activity. But what I found is team building is really in the little things. It's in the small moments. It's not just in the big events and the occasions. And so that's really how that collaboration comes to be, where you connect with your team members, you build that trust, you feel like, oh, I can collaborate with them. I can reach out for help. They can reach out to me for help. And it's the daily consistency about that that really kind of sets the groundwork for the whole thing. I really appreciate that notion of team building is in the small moments because I think it's so easy to get caught up in the the flashy, big, one-off, once a quarter, once a month, big team event. But really what makes a difference is those small moments. I wanted to zoom back a little bit further okay. to when you first introduced this practice. And so what was the problem that you were seeing within your team in that experience? And then how'd you first come up with this idea to do more of a, a team goal-setting practice? That's really interesting, and I appreciate that. So one of the things I do is, you, you may have heard of Can I, that constant and never-ending improvement. I kind of live you, in that space. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so I read, I came across Can I, I believe it was Anthony Robbins had that, and Tony Robbins he had that in one of his books. I think it was the Giants book, you, you grab the title, but he talked about the, I think it was basically Toyota and they had this thing it was called CANI, at least that's how he interpreted it, which is C-A-N-A, -A, an acronym for constant and never ending improvement. So that's pretty much my life. Some people call it continuous improvement. One of the things I like to do is not so much focus on the problem, but in that constant and never ending improvement, I ask myself, is this really the best I can do? Whatever I'm doing, is this really the best I can do? And so I was thinking about my team members and I was thinking about every year we set out these goals, we have these practices. Every year we have, say, maybe 20 things on it. And quarter by quarter, we start cutting it down 
five, then 10. And then by the end of the year, we might have two or three. And out of those two or three things, maybe one was actually completed. And it's not one that was meaningful. It was just the easiest one to actually accomplish. And so this had gone on for a while. And I was like, how can I better serve my team? with this because I was like, I am their sole accountability partner. They each are coming to me. We're going through this every quarter when we do our check-ins and so forth. And I was like, this is really not working because one, there are too many things on their list. And I will say, game recognize game because there are too many things on my list. And I (laughs) was doing the same thing. And then the period, the time period was way too big. Because people are filling it up because they're like, oh, I have 365 days. I can do all these things in a year. So with those things in mind, like I said, I was sitting back just kind of uh, thinking about, like, how can I do better for my team? And that's when I was like, we need to open this up so we're all accountable. And that's really kind of moving from mainframe to more of an internet, you know, way of being with the team. I don't want to be the single point of failure anymore. So let's get everybody involved in this. And then let's shorten the time. So instead of doing it for the year, like our organization does it for the year, let's do it for this release. That way people are a little less hesitant because they don't feel like, oh, I have to commit to this for the entire year. I just need to commit to this for this release. Can you talk more about the, the release? The definition of release here is, uh, is the software release, the product release, or what's the cycle? For us, it's three times a year. So roughly you're talking about three to four months. So it's really a little bit over a quarter of a year. And that's each one of our releases. So it's like, okay, I'm going to dedicate myself to doing this for this time period. And that was really freeing for my folks. When they thought they had to do this for the entire year, it felt really big and challenging. But if this is only for a release, oh, I can do that. So that was one of the things that made it really easy for them to jump in. And then we kind of basically set out what we were going to do in that time period. So the first thing is your next level goal. I call it next level. And by next level, I'm like, what can you do to improve yourself, be better, be more advanced at the end of this release and do it so well that you don't even have to tell people what your goal is. They will just know. They will just know because you've already embodied it. Oh, wow. I like the definition of the end. Exactly. So we start out there and then, of course, we time box it to the release. So that's one thing. And then, of course, we're at work and I'm always thinking about their career. So then you think about what do you want to become the subject matter expert in? And what do you want to become like your business impact? So kind of the process for this just to kind of, maybe I'll back it up a little bit, is I invited my whole team. I have two teams. I invited them all to a meeting. They had already seen like a couple weeks. I put out like weekly messages about the next level. And I have this table. It's like a little spreadsheet table. And in the table, it has columns. And the columns are next level, whatever number the release is going to be that time. Then it says like your subject matter expert because they're still engineers got to like, are you going to be the subject matter expert for this particular release? Then we're going to talk about your business impact. Like, how does that fall into play? And then there's another column, simple. It's just one column where you put your goals for each month. And usually it winds up being about, like I said, three to four months. 
I am digesting the structure there because the problems you identified of breaking down a long period of time, recognizing the power of accountability, like you'd mentioned, that was like going from mainframe to the internet. I'm like, yeah, that's like a quantum computing leap in terms of whether or not somebody's going to actually move closer to accomplishing their goals. And I'm also reflecting on my own journey trying to set goals and definitely trying to set the beginning of the year or trying to set an annual goal. And by about this time, which we're recording in March, I've lost the momentum of that. And I also don't have that accountability source. And so for me, I'm thinking, man, I would really love to have that type of structure in my life for somebody to break down a goal and put something in a a three or four month period. I, I feel like there would be so much more momentum created. Can you tell us a little bit more about the introduction process? So you'd mentioned about two weeks beforehand, you were sort of priming the the teams around some of the core concepts. So around the next level goal concept for what they should be thinking about. And then the kicked off meeting, it sounded like there was a structure in place. If somebody was to roll this out for the first time, how would you help them sort of prepare that launch? I think the priming piece is of the utmost importance. Mm-hmm. That is first and foremost, just kind of get people on board with next level and really get their buy-in, like how this is going to benefit them. Like at the end of this release, okay, I will be here. So that's really important. One of the things that's foundational is having that trust and that psychological safety with your team. Mm -hmm. Because I brought them into the meeting and I had this, the table, their names were all there. And I just asked them, right? I was like, are you willing to share? Because I had spoken to each one of them individually. I think that's really important too is to touch base with each member during your 101s to see if they're up for it. And then basically I had to row with my name on it and I filled in mine. And then I was like, would anybody else be open to share? And we're all here to support you and help you reach your goals. And by doing that, it was really interesting. People were just very open. I can't thank my teams enough for just their collaboration. Because at the end, I I really, I walked into that meeting expecting I might get some fill-ins. I don't know how deep it's going to go with people, Mm -hmm. you know, or I might just have some blank rows. And all of it was acceptable to me. And I left that meeting, like, really grateful for just the openness and the vulnerability that everybody shared. Mm Mm-hmm. Have you read anything by Priya Parker? I have not. Jerry and I geek out about her work all the time. She wrote this book called The Art of Gathering. And just to recognize some of the practices from what she talks about in her book, I think you so artfully applied in this meeting. The the first one was, she talks a lot about if you're asking folks to contribute something vulnerably, you as the facilitator or the leader of that meeting set the depth of that vulnerability. And so to call out for you going first and sharing your personal goals in a way it's really authentically reflective of, of what you value most and what you care about. I imagine people watching that go, oh, wow, like I really, I, I can really go deep with what I want to share here. So that part really stands out to me. And then I think the other part is sort of making explicit that sense of safety that this space is for them, I think is, is really powerful when it comes to setting the stage for that meeting. So those are just two things that really stood out to me from what you shared there as like really powerful practices for those types of conversations. Thank you. Yeah. And like I said, I was super surprised by what people put down. I will share mine first. I'm going to keep going in that spirit. So the two things I put down was rest and let go, which was Mm. so important. I absolutely needed more rest. The previous release had pretty much, you know, I was, yeah, I was crawling to the finish line a wee bit. So that was really good to make sure that I put more rest in mind. 
and also to model it. I always tell my folks to take time off, but I really wasn't. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna make sure that I do this on a regular consistent basis, not just around the holidays, right? So rest was number one. And then the other one was let go, which is, you know, it's a longstanding thing I'm still working with over a lifetime. I am a very determined and persistent person. So I have to remember how to just kind of relax and let, you know, trust the universe. Because that's basically what I'm saying. Yeah. Absolutely. So those are my two. One of the couple of the other ones. So just to kind of give some examples of what was shared and just the very the range and depth. So I had some team members who shared, I want to grow in confidence. That was huge. That was really huge. Other ones shared, I want to grow in like my energy awareness, kind of back to my self-awareness piece. I really want to know so I can better like interact. Am I having a good day? Should I go to that meeting? Should I just say, keep my camera off? Or should I just skip it off and send a Slack message? Like, how am I showing up? And then the other ones range from like, oh, I want to, you know, strengthen my fundamental CS skills or software architecture. So we had a huge range of the things that people wanted to do as far as like where their focus wanted to be for the next level. I wanted to ask about the accountability practice. And so with the end goal or the end time frame for this period being three to four months at the end of the release, what is the the check-in process look? Is it a group conversation? And I guess what's the accountability mechanism look like? That's a great question. So the thing I also noticed when I was thinking about we put too many things on, we have too long of a list, is we don't check in enough. Like our goals, literally, they're dirty dishes that you just don't see anymore. You put them away and then they grow all kinds of things if you don't come back and look at your goals on a regular basis. So we have a monthly group meeting, which we do. And that's all of us, we get together, we look at the table, we look at our goals that we set out for the month. And we just kind of almost like a stand up around that. But before we even go through the goals, we do a check-in, which is just like what's top of mind for folks. Again, it's that safe space. And then we go through, we talk about the goals, we talk about where we are. We always talk about what support can the team offer you to achieve your goals along with. So there's the accountability where there's always a question about what have you done? Like, what have you achieved? Not just, okay, well, I started. No, here we're talking about completion and finishing. Right. So we talk to that and then we share the things that we have done. We share the things that we didn't do. We share potentially the whys of that, not so much for there to be excuses, really acknowledging, especially as people know in these past couple of years, there's this thing called life. The best laid plans can just go sideways as -hmm. a result of it. So we acknowledge that piece of it all as well. And then when you're in a group and you have to talk to your peers, every single month, that really has been like the accountability magic wand because nobody wants to show up and not have anything to say. And so every week in my weekly message, I always talk about the next level. So it's always on their radar. And then they know we meet every month to check in. I had one question. I'm curious to learn more about the comparison between the company partner being just the manager versus the group. So how that change people's behavior and how they show up in those meetings? That's great. And what's, I think it's almost similar to, without it being family dynamics, but similar to family dynamics. So when you talk to your manager, that's almost like your parental figure. 
whereas if you talk to your peer, it's very much like your sibling. I don't know too many people who don't want to like show off for their older siblings or their other siblings. Either if you're the oldest one, you want to show the young ones how great you are. If you're the youngest one, you want the approval of the older ones, right? So you think about experienced engineers versus newer engineers, and it kind of all plays out the same way. Everybody really wants to show up for their peers. I'm really curious about the team support component. When you open up the invitation for people to offer their support in the completion of their goal, can you share a little bit more about what that looked like or maybe a couple examples? Because I have to imagine if I'm somebody who, let's say, to reference you know, your goal example, of like, first off, I really appreciated your goals because it was almost like counterintuitive to what a typical quote unquote goal might be. It's not like I want to achieve X result by Y date, but like the practice of letting go and focusing on rest, I feel like it's such a, that, that's a powerful goal, I think, to start with because that probably disrupts people's expectation of what a goal should be. But so to take that one, like if you say like, I'm looking for support on how to let go, what does that support typically look like? Or, or have you seen or any really special moments happen within the team when inviting people in to support that way? Yeah, they have supported me with both of my goals. They have really encouraged me to take time off. They were basically, they were like, aren't you leaving? I thought you were off today. Why were you still on Slack? Why were you, you know, and so forth. So it's been really great to see my team really kind of, they definitely have been holding me accountable about being out of the office and getting off, let that little green dot, you know, go away. So they've been great about that. And they joke about it all the time throughout any meeting where they see me. They're like, hey, Joy. And the letting go piece has been really great because so many of them have stepped up and have just said, hey, you want to delegate some of that, Joy? And which has been a benefit I didn't even think about, right? Isn't that the best thing you can hear from our team? (laughs) Right? So I was like, oh, this is perfect. I totally will delegate. For me, it was great because it gave me an opportunity to let them shine. You know, one's like, hey, I'll do some of the stand-ups. I'll facilitate that. I'm like, perfect. Another one's like, hey, what else is on your plate, Joy, that I can help you with them? So it was a win-win because... It was really, like I said, me, an opportunity to let go. And those were easy let goes. They were because I could see the benefit of me letting go and letting other people take the lead on those. So they have been really great about just checking in with me. Like really, anytime. Since we started this process, they are very open about checking in with me. And I think they do the same about checking in with each other as well about what's going on. Patrick here with some exciting news. We now have 10 local communities of engineering leaders hosting in-person meetups all over the world. Yes, you heard that right. There are 10 local communities in cities all over the world. These groups are led by engineering leaders just like you who wanted to create a place to connect, to share insights, and tackle critical challenges in the job. To get involved, go to elc.community. Sign up if you haven't already. If you have signed up, make sure you update your location and we'll get you plugged in. We're launching local events all the time. You can find them and get involved again at elc.community. Absolutely. I think there's something so special when you share something that's important to you, like a goal or an intention, and the people around you want to do everything they can to support you to make that happen. I feel like that environment is so powerful to know that essentially people have your back and want you to do the thing that you were setting out to do. 
Yeah, and I saw it with my team too, like even the folks who expressed, oh, I want to learn more, increase my software architecture, and other people are like, oh, well, let me reach out to that person because I'm working on X and we mm -hmm. can work on it together. There were a couple people and the other ones, oh, let me improve my communication. And that kind of rolls into the confidence piece. Okay, let me provide opportunities for you to present and so forth. And so it worked out really well because everybody had full awareness what the goals were for the entire team. So they were, whenever anything popped up, everybody was always top of mind for each other. You are describing, I think, the dream vision that Jerry, myself, and our team have been that like that's the end state vision for the the environment within ELC. And because I think about like for our summit in 2020 one of the things that we talked a lot about was like so much of the value or power of the community is entirely in what you choose to share. And that openly sharing your goals or your problems is going to then help elicit that type of support from other people. But the trick is that if instead of focusing on what can you get from the community, focus on rather how you can support other people. And then that helps create that ecosystem where people come because they know they, they want to contribute and support. Um, so by nature, everybody kind of gets that support because of it. And so like when you're describing this with your team, I'm like, this is it. This is the vision to create that type of environment for folks like that. That's it. Yeah, it's been great. Everybody has really benefited. One person really kind of stood out to me because it was amazing to see what they did. They really kind of took this challenge on and just ran with it in ways that I had never seen before. Just in all of their communications across the board, they really just embodied the end the entire time. So instead of, oh, how do I get there? And how do I be there? Like from day one, they're like, okay, this is who I'm going to be. This is how I'm going to show up. And their communications with like other teams, presenting, taking initiative on so many different tasks and really leading the rest of the team through these items. I was really blown away. I was really blown away how they embraced it. Speaking of embodying the end, for somebody where this concept might be a little bit new, where maybe they're most familiar with setting goals that are maybe the one I first got introduced to is like the SMART goal framework, where it's all about being measurable, attainable, realistic, timely. So for somebody who maybe is like more familiar with that style of setting goals, can you share a little bit more about embodying the end and how to sort of set or create an effective end state? I think one of the things too is really the goal has to be meaningful. Because it can totally be a SMART goal, but it may not really have a lot of value. That was part of the whole reason around next level. Is this really going to have such a high return? I think sometimes we have several goals that they're not that meaningful to us. I think that's part of the reason that they drop off. Hmm. But one, they have to be meaningful. What is something like when I tuned in to the rest and let go and the other person tuned into like energy awareness and confidence these are things that we know about ourselves that we know would make a world of difference in our lives if we were able to get a handle on these. So I think that's first and foremost is to make it meaningful to you. And then from that point of view, once you have that meaningful goal, then just who would you be? Like, really, who would you be? Had you achieved it? How would you show up? I know me, I would not be trying to run through certain things or I would be rested. I could think better. It would be clearer. It was just certain things. So you really just kind of visualize, honestly, 
like who you would be in those moments and just kind of really act from it instead of trying to get to it. Can you explain a little bit more about that that last line? Because I think that's so powerful. Act from it versus act uh, is act from it versus go towards it. Mm-hmm. Right? Because, you know, welcome to being human. And as you can see, I have a very spiritual bent on just living life in general. When you just embody it and embrace it, you can think of it. And if you want to pull it back from that, you can think of the seven habits of, you know, highly effective people and living from the end. They all the books and all the things all say the same which is really embody it. I think even in Atomic Habits, it has an example about don't tell people I like to run, tell them I'm a runner. So it makes a world of difference. So you are embodying that person or those attributes that you want to have. And then from there, you move forward. So you're already in it because if you say I'm moving towards my goal, then you're also saying I'm not there yet with every time you said I'm moving towards my goal. But if you embody the end, I'm already there, Mm -hmm. right? We know you're not wholly already there, but you embody the end and then act as if, and it makes a world of difference. You make so much more progress in life. Absolutely. One of of Jerry and I's favorite books is Atomic Habits. And so much of what you shared resonates a lot with that around like every time you choose to do an action, like coming from a place of embodying that attribute, you're casting a vote for that person or that part of your identity. And so I definitely really resonate with that part. Jerry, what what are you thinking about? What else do you got on the mind? This is a, a good time for me. I can't help but just reflect and review my the goals I have. Do I just run towards it or do I embody that? So I think this is a good reflection time for whoever is listening to this conversation. I think this is such a paradigm shift in terms of setting goals for yourself and also for the team. And I think that the next level concept and also the end result that you described that so clear that people don't know. <laughs> so I think that's really a very effective way to have our team to grow. I just really appreciate that. The other question I wanted to ask about this, Joy, is related to quote unquote, like implementation or adoption. So primarily related to people that maybe are resistant or initially skeptical of having a conversation, a group conversation about goals, or maybe like a group conversation about defining the end state or attribute, more of an attribute based goal versus, uh, I guess, like a specific output goal. And so can you speak a little bit to when introducing this, how can you help bring in warmly the the skeptics and help them see how impactful this could be for them. That's where the timeline is so helpful because I really invite people. It's only for this amount of time. You give it your all for this amount of time. You, it doesn't work for you, you, let it go. So that is really the main thing. Most people will, they'll try it. They'll try it. And Honestly, this is where the group participation really comes into play as well, mm-hmm. is they'll see other people moving forward. They will see that because we check in every month. They'll see, wow, this person is doing things that I have never seen them do before. Maybe I should give that a whirl because they'll see the kudos come through for them. They'll see all the other accolades come through for their peers. And even if they were slightly resistant, it will open them up even more so. So they might start a little slower with this process, 
But once they start seeing, because they'll, they'll notice because they know we're all doing it together. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole, that was the goal from the beginning is so people don't even have to know what your goal is. Remember, you will just embody it. So that's what I do is keep the timeline really small so people can just commit to a certain period of time, not a year, and then just watch them watch their peers. That's where the monthly meetings come into play. And that's super helpful. I think that's magical in the sense that as a manager, we a lot of time didn't realize there is a lot of opportunity for us to bring in to help other people to grow. Like the, the model you mentioned, you're literally creating role models within a team that would otherwise want to be available for other people to see. So that amount of influence is available for any team. It is a matter of whether you choose to leverage that or not. So again, that's a paradigm shift that there's a lot of potential on the table that you can use to better help and influence your team for the best of themselves. And that's, that's eye-opening to me. The other side that really stands out to me that I feel like I w was really struggling to grasp or find like the, the right vehicle to, to make this happen. But like when I'm thinking about how do I help if somebody in my team wants to grow their confidence or somebody in my team wants to become more aware of their energy, but then you also have somebody who wants to strengthen their CS or architecture skills, a little bit of a different approach. How do you develop a vehicle to give the right room or direction or environment for all of those folks to accomplish those goals in an environment that's supportive and people can help them along that journey? Because if I have a team member who comes and say, Patrick, can you help me become more confident? I'm like, man, I that is less concrete to figure out. And I think because it, that's less concrete, there's more perceived friction and it becomes harder to coach or impact that. So I think that's what I really appreciate is the structure helps create that supportive environment to help somebody along that journey because you're pulling resources, you're getting a lot of people involved. And then you're also from the end state, more attribute oriented model, like they're able to direct that a little bit, I think, more clearly themselves. And so I think that's something I've really appreciated and reflecting. Like it's cool to be able to do all of those things at once, I guess is all I'm trying to say. Yeah. And I think for those goals that are more definitely more personal, you might think, or where you're being more vulnerable, it's important to ask. Mm -hmm. Right. And what I mean by that is like, where do you see yourself lacking confidence? So I don't know what confidence means to another person. Like mm -hmm. I've literally had to have conversations with this person. And you tell me what that, how does that look like? Where do you think it's not happening? Where do you think you're not showing up as a confident engineer? The same thing with the energy awareness. Where do you think you're not showing up? Where is it going sideways? How can I help? Really, the CS fundamentals one is, that's an easy one to look at because it's, all right, we'll go learn some design patterns and some algorithms. Here's some sorting, okay? But if you want to tap into somebody, you really need to have, that's where powerful questions are so important. I appreciate the, the, the way you ask those questions because I think oftentimes the advice around that can be very much so be curious. And I guess going back to like attribution, like or like more attribute oriented, like being curious will help create or generate those types of questions. But I think without that context of understanding that particular process or the kind of that flow, I think it could be really ever is, oh, just be curious and then you'll be able to discover those things. But actually like ask, where, where do you see this happening? I think is a really powerful, precise question. The whole purpose of each one of these goals, remember, they're the person's goals. So that's why you have to pose the questions because you have to know what's meaningful and impactful to them around this goal. 
one of the questions I wanted to bring up, just because when you and I were catching up a couple of days ago, we brought up Brene Brown, and we were talking a little bit about vulnerability here and the impact that has on a group accountability goal setting conversation like this. And I, I find like Jerry and I are both big fans of Brene Brown's work, and we are both actively trying to practice that vulnerability in different settings. But one of the things that I, I oftentimes find is that in the context of engineering leadership, like there aren't as many readily available examples of what those practices look like within the context of engineering leadership. And since you're also a fan, and it's it's something that you also found a, a lot of impact in, I was wondering if you'd shared, you know, from your example as an engineering leader, what are the ways that you sort of integrate some of those practices within your leadership practice? Yeah, definitely. I am a huge super fan and I highly recommend everybody read Dare to Lead. I'm currently like rereading it now with some of my team members because I think it's just an awesome book. One of the first ways that I've incorporated for day's work is with the acronym BRAVING. I have it at the top of all of our team agree- teaming agreements. BRAVING acronym stands for Boundaries, Reliability, Accountability, Vault, Integrity, and Generosity. And basically, like we just kind of said, this is who we are and this is how we're going to interact with each other, like from the very beginning. And we go through those and then we move forward. But that's baseline. This is how we're going to interact with each other. And we hold each other accountable to that as well as we practice it because it's of the utmost importance. So like, for example, Vault, if you tell me something, Like, this is how the next level piece came about. I heard from each one of my team members, but I never shared what each one was doing with another one. It was only when we met together as a group and I I invited them to share. You don't want to share? Totally fine. It stays between me and you, right? These are the kind of things that really make a world of difference. Reliability for the R. You say you're going to complete this task? Complete it. You do what you say you're going to do. That's really huge. And then generosity, as far as like just really kind of thinking the best. At the same time, we all know we're human, so we can do things that are sideways. But just really um, creating that space for people. So the integrity piece, really making sure you maintain integrity. I just have to remark, I think you're so skilled with using language to shape the environments of your team or like the, the like everyday behavioral reality of your team. That's something that I really admire as somebody who has a whiteboard and writes down all of the like the values that I want to bring each day or the habits I want to remember. And so I love the fact that is at the top of, of every one of your docs that you're collaborating with all of your team. And so I really appreciate that a lot. <laughs> Thank you. Well, Joy, we have some rapid fire questions for you if you're ready to get in. Yes. Perfect. Okay. So speaking of books, what are you reading or listening to right now? Excellent. So as I mentioned just a quick second ago, rereading Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. So that one. And Lynchpin by Seth Godin. Those are the two right now. Lynchpin. What's Lynchpin? Do you have a quick one sentence? What Lynchpin? Yeah, Lynchpin is actually making yourself the Lynchpin. Like really not just being another cog in the machine but really how to stand out and be invaluable and absolutely the actual linchpin for your organization. What do you need to do that? The courage you need to do that. And it's a really awesome book. I describe myself as a sunflower in a bed of roses. 
So it's kind of that whole linchpin mentality, like, oh, I'm a standout. Look how many people are doing Brene Brown in their engineering leadership. So like, really, <laughs> but, but when you do that, when you are the linchpin, when you do take those courageous, daring steps, you create these things that are so innovative that people have not seen before. I love that. The next question, what tool or methodology has had a big impact on you? Circle back to that one. I really, the can I piece has had the hugest piece, like always looking to get better every single day. That is really my thing. Like how, I know some people call it the 1% better, whatever people want to call it, but just how can I be better today? And if I think I'm doing well, those are probably the first places that I will look when I'm kind of reflecting in my journal. Okay, I'm doing that really well. Well, how can I do that better? Right. So you can like even kind of tag that into strength binders, I guess. But it's really about just the whole always improving. And it's amazing to think that this whole practice with your team was the result of asking yourself that question. And it's led to this sort of Cambrian explosion of new goals, new identities that your teams want to take on and cultivate. So just like thinking back from that one question yielded all of this. It's really pretty amazing. Like really, if you think about like, how unlimited we are, right? You only know that pretty much all of our goals and all of our limits are the ones we set upon ourselves because this is what we're familiar with. Oh, I just know C. Oh, I just know Python. Oh, I just know X. I'm not a mobile developer. Oh, I don't do AI. But again, you take those limits off. Absolutely. To switch up a little bit, what is a trend that you're seeing or following that's interesting or hasn't hit the mainstream yet? It's kind of mainstream where I am, but that's also because I'm looking for it, which is humanity. People ask me, what's the future of technology? And I say humanity. I think the same in leadership, hence the Brene Browns, hence the Simon Sinek's, I mean, the Kim Scott and the Radical Candor. I think that's really important is a new type of leadership, which is really human-centered and human-focused. And right now, I will say, you know, with the pandemic, that is definitely exponentially moved the needle on that because people know that people have whole lives. You're not, I don't want a slice of you at my job. Like you just write code. You have a family. I know you have a family and I know you have dinner to fix. I know you have somebody to go pick up. Like, honestly, that's why I love working remote is because I have been to more of my colleagues' homes working remotely than I ever have previously. I know their collections. I know what their children look like. I know their pets. So that's really my, I would say that. I know I'm long answer on the rapid fire, but humanity. I love it. The, the last question, Joy, to wrap this up and send us off, is there a quote or a mantra that you live by or a quote that's really been resonating with you right now? It is since I was a kid, I've been such a huge fan of Wilma Rudolph. And she has a quote, and I totally live by it. And it's, I can't, are two words that have never been in my vocabulary. I believe in me more than anything in this world. A perfect way to, to close off our conversation. Joy, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time and your stories and bringing human-centered leadership to the forefront of the conversation for our community. It really means a lot. Awesome. Thank you both. I have really enjoyed my time with you. This has been great. So thank you. Here's a quick recap of our takeaways from our conversation with Joy Dixon. 
enjoys quest for constant and never-ending improvement, her guiding question that inspired her group accountability practice was, is this really the best I can do? Simultaneously, multiple people on her team were leaning on Joy to be the sole accountability partner. The confluence of these two things inspired Joy to create the group accountability structure within her team. So what do you need to do to introduce this practice of group coaching and accountability in your team? The first is you need to start with building a foundation of trust and psychological safety in your one-on-ones. Prime your team then to participate by introducing the structure of the next level goal concept ahead of time. And this is most effective in one-on-ones, but it can also be done in other messaging formats. Get everyone to a kickoff meeting with the purpose to set, share, and track their goals. You'll want to create a simple way to record and track those goals. This can be as simple as a sheet with people, goal, and quarter in different columns. Joy also aligns this with an internal team resource that tracks the projects and experts across her team. In the kickoff meeting, model the way and vulnerably share your next level goal that you want to be held accountable to first. This is critical because what you model will set the depth and vulnerability of your team. This kickoff meeting typically happens about once per quarter. And then you'll want to revisit goals through a monthly support meeting to share the achievement that's happened, the things that didn't get done, and where the team is looking for support. How do you set next level or more identity-based goals? First, you have to identify, is this goal actually meaningful and valuable to you? Would this goal make a world of a difference to you? To begin the shift to a more identity-based goal, think about your end state and who you want to become. Imagine who you'd be as a person if you embodied the end state of your goal. How would you show up? The example here is, I want to be or become a runner versus I want to run five miles. The distinction here is the latter goal describes sort of a finite end state, whereas the beginning describes a certain identity that you want to take on, the identity of being a runner. Once you identify who you want to be, then you act from it instead of trying to go towards it. So the example here is, if you were really being a runner, what would that person do? And then you use that framing to generate the actions that you take. What happens then when everyone on the team knows your goal or who you're trying to become? It starts coming up in more conversations. People start asking about it. And then people start holding each other accountable toward their progress. And like magic, people have breakthroughs, they achieve milestones, and make massive progress towards goals and new ways of being that means the world to them. Remember that true team building is in the small moments. It's about the daily, consistent actions that lay the foundation of your team. And creating a group accountability and coaching structure can make a world of difference in your team. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure that you click subscribe if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or follow if you're listening on Spotify. And if you love the show, we also have a ton of other ways to stay involved with the engineering leadership community. To stay up to date and learn more about all of our upcoming events, our peer groups, and other programs that are going on, head to sfelc.com. That's sfelc.com. See you next time on the Engineering Leadership Podcast.